1: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get lowest can be APR, zero deposit required and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors. Dundalk, Drogheda or Cavan.
2: You're very welcome to Friday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. 1981, it all began with Thin Lizzy and I was there. 38 years later tomorrow, Metallica headline slain. And the man himself is on the line to talk to me. He never lets me down, even though he must be the busiest man in Ireland today. Lord Henry Mount Charles. Good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you that for
2: taking the call.
3: Not at all. That was I, we were just talking about that show in nineteen eighty-one, reminiscing. It was quite something, wasn't it?
2: It was unbelievable because I was, a, I, and still am, a massive, a massive Thin Lizzy fan. But that day there was a group there (laughs) that nobody suspected would take the world by storm and still are you too Henry
3: well I I know and uh, uh, I'm delighted to say that uh, uh, you know a couple of uh, members of the band will be here uh, tomorrow um, to see Metallica play which is lovely Uh, and the points of connection are are sort of kind of uh, really rather intriguing because uh, Slane started in 1981, and so did Metallica. They were formed in... I can never remember whether it's L.A. or San Francisco in 1981. And uh, Metallica have done a, a cover of Whiskey in the Jar. I think I'll probably burst into tears if they do. Oh, um <laughs> Henry. Tomorrow. Um, and, uh, you know, they sort of... Um, they co-toured with uh, Guns N' Roses at one stage... Uh, there are all these sort of strange interconnections, uh, which is what I love about Slain. It's part of the magic and mystery of the place, in a sense.
2: Yes. And, you know, I was doing the tally today. I went through every year from 80, uh, 81 right up to the current. And I think I'm right, given that you two did two concerts in 2001 and you had yeah. two in 2013, Bon Jovi and Eminem, um, 25 concerts, is it?
3: Uh, Jesus Christ! Sorry, <laughs> excuse me. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 I can't actually <laughs> at this stage. I can't remember. My mind is so addled.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, we'll we'll take it that my mathematics are okay, Henry, and yes, that that we're in I, and I, around I, twenty-five. You know,
3: absolutely. Yes, yeah.
2: you on that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The, the, today, you know, look look at you today. You're a veteran of this. Surely, at this stage. You're comfortable, are you? Or you? Do you have that sense of nervousness before it all begins?
3: Well, it's it's very funny you should say that. I, I was in a Garda meeting um, this morning, and at the very end of the meeting, when we'd all uh, broken up, I admitted to the uh, chief super that I felt apprehensive. And I, I said, if I didn't feel that adrenaline coming into my system... Uh, things weren't going to go right because I always, uh, uh, like as do most of the family, do uh, the rounds uh, towards the end of the um, preparations just to see if we've missed anything or there's some little wriggle that that, that needs attention. Um, and uh, it's sort of all, everyone is not on edge, is not the right, Um, word, but a a sense of uh, what you might call positive anticipation, I think, is the best way uh, to describe it. But we're all uh, looking forward uh, to it. Um, You know, there are lots of people, I mean, there is a a sort of fever of activity here at the moment. They're erecting the stage. Um, uh, And, I mean, yesterday morning I looked out my bedroom window and there was a big truck who pulled in uh, with rock and roll trucking written on the side of it. Kind of says it all. (laughs) Uh, And the other thing is that, as you can imagine, you make reference to the veterans. There are uh, lots of people who who come and work here for the Slane shows who, who, you know, have worked on them for years. And it's like a sort of gathering of the tribes. And that's all uh, you know, uh, wonderful to see people maybe you haven't seen in a little while and um it's great. Mm. Um and uh, uh now, you know, I have um I have my family who who are they're coming in and, and and um my niece arrived uh, last night and my now really, really my uh grandniece who was born um They were came over for the Guns and Roses concert, and that baby was born um a year ago. <laughs> oh my! Oh my! And uh, uh, she's here. <laughs> Great!
2: What a link
3: she's that is. One, one tomorrow. Brilliant.
2: Yeah. And what's her name, Henry? Um, Amber. Well, we wish Amber a very happy birthday. Well, thank you. Thank uh, you. And what a place to be to celebrate your first year of life but at Lane for this wonderful concert. Now, look, I want to tell you as well, by the way, Ross he my producer today tells me San Francisco, yes, was the genesis of Metallica. And, and in, see, I'll tell you Henry, he's wearing his Metallica shirt. He's going along tomorrow. So we have Oh, but a- well,
3: that's why well, the thing about Metallica fans Um, is that they are the most devoted uh, uh, bunch, um, in a sense, we've encountered. Because, um, and I have said this uh, already, a very high percentage of the attendees or higher, well over 10%, are from uh, overseas. So we have visitors from literally all over the world, and they've come here to see Metallica perform at Slane, which is wonderful because... They'll be out and about in the Irish countryside, hopefully uh, enjoying the experience. Uh, And uh, Metallica, rather unusually, actually travel with their own museum. And uh, this is for devoted fans who've, um, you know, paid for the privilege of enjoying this experience. But I suppose I've been talking to sort of various people. It's a bit like you know, the deadheads, the uh, devotees of the Grateful Dead. Um, and it's, it, 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 it's an interesting phenomenon.
2: It certainly um, is. And they're coming from everywhere, as you say. And it, it looks like the full house signs are up already. Are there any tickets? People were asking me earlier, are there any late possibilities? I,
3: I, I think there are still some tickets on sale. We're very near capacity, right. as I do know. Um, but I, I think they're still for sale. Okay. Uh, um, I think so, think so, but don't, you know. <laughs>
2: don't come without a ticket. Organise yourself. That's very <laughs> important to say. Don't come, come without a ticket. And,
3: um, you know, the important thing is, um, for those of you um, coming from Dublin who are listening, you know, do go by Dublin bus, but also uh, you can't buy a ticket uh, tomorrow morning yeah, uh, you have to buy it um, by midnight tonight, and the other thing is it's a a, a new um, thing, and I'm I'm tech wise not a a great guy, but there is uh, apparently a fantastic app which will give you all sorts of information, which is events, and that is spelt E V N T Z. Okay, uh, and that'll that that is most useful. Uh, for people who are, again, travelling to the venue, um, I would suggest uh, avoiding Nav and, uh, and going travelling uh, via the N2 or
2: the way. Absolutely. Great advice there. And I've checked the weather. I'm a real weatherman, my angling. You know the fishermen, Ken. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know yourself, Henry. We have to be on the ball and i have news it's to be good tomorrow it really is and maybe a slight passing shower but it's looking very good and nice uh, temperatures as well so all oh, auguring well oh,
3: well that's wonderful to hear i've been praying to every sort of kind of thing
2: <laughs> 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 honestly ah oh, look you deserve it you you really do when you think about all of these years since 81 and i, I just look at the list of the great and good of rock and roll and music that have played, slain, I asked you this before, and I don't know whether you can. But does any one actor concert stick in your mind?
3: Well, the the answer to that is is uh, several. Um, I mean, the Springsteen show was extraordinary, mm. um, and uh, of course he you know he was he in the castle the night before the show. Which was in itself an amazing experience um, to be a privilege to be to be part of that. Um, um, emotionally, the two U2 shows which you mentioned um, um, were very special to us because uh, uh, you know I've been a follower of the band. I've been to more U2 shows than I could count, but most importantly, it marked uh, the ten end of the ten-year. Uh, restoration program of the castle mm. um and so it, it 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 was a sort of double emotional uh roller coaster for certainly for my wife and i um and so that was real special. The first show, good God, because it was the first show, and it, it those were dark times in Ireland, and we were breaking ground by doing that and showing that you know Ireland wasn't all about um the troubles and there was other stuff going on uh in the country and 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 you know it was the beginning of a journey um and you know I have to hand credit to 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 um you know the Rolling Stones uh, we had them twice yes um the the the, the first show was <laughs> amusing in all sorts of ways um and um uh, particularly beforehand <laughs> we were even uh telling yarns about that last night and reminding ourselves of some of the stuff that went on um including some of the um um rolling stones crew sleeping in the drawing room the castle <laughs> the night before
2: and a few tales uh, around that um Gosh, uh, I... I, I oh, there, look, I, I'm sure you could pick a, a, a something with it, each of them. You know, there's yes. when, when you look at it, there's something every year. I'm just thinking here, what about your memories of the concerts to print? There's a book in you. There's another well, one. Come I on.
3: Know, I know. Well, I, I've written one, and yes. I know the work involved, and um, lots of people have suggested it to me, but, uh, uh, you know, it's... An, It is, believe it or not, incredibly time-consuming, and you've got to be very disciplined. Uh, The discipline wouldn't be a problem, but it's uh, finding uh, the time um, and um, and then deciding... what to leave out and what to put in.
2: The editing, the biggest challenge of all. Look, before I let you go, because I know you're busy and I'm grateful that you've taken time to join us on LMFM today. And I say again, you've never, ever let me down. I want to just ask you, how are you? How is your health?
3: Well, I got out of hospital uh, on uh, uh, Tuesday. And um, unfortunately, as a lung cancer patient, I I am prone to um, infections I was in a very bad place about 6 weeks 6 7 weeks ago um but I'm happy to say I'm in a good place today as we speak and uh you know I really do uh adopt the philosophy of one day at a time um but I am grateful to my oncologist and medical staff in St James's they are just really really good people and um, you know, I I am relieved that I'm 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 going to be here and I'm going to be able to enjoy the show because of course I miss Guns N' Roses because I was lying on the hospital bed watching bits of it over a mobile phone. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, I am absolutely intent, uh, and my family are going to make sure uh, that. I, I enjoy this show. Um, it, it, it's special to me for all sorts of reasons.
2: It certainly is. And it's special to me that I am speaking to you, Lord Henry, this afternoon on the eve well, of the concert.
3: Not at all, Jerry. It's always a pleasure.
2: And may I wish you, Lady Iona, Alex, Karina, and all of your family a fantastic, fantastic weekend starting tomorrow. And take care of yourself and best wishes from everybody.
3: Thank you. Thank you,
2: Jerry. Take care, Henry. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. That's the wonderful Lord Henry Mount Charles there on the line from Slane, nipping out from many meetings he's having today. It's Metallica for Slane tomorrow and more about it after the break. We were talking to Henry about vets a moment ago. I have another veteran on the line. Yes, formerly of LMFM Radio, INN, journalist extraordinaire, Ken Murray is on the line. Afternoon, Ken. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. Your favourite slain memory, Ken?
4: Well, I mean, the favourite slain memory for me is one that uh, I'll take with me to the grave. Not too many people are aware of this, but I was the MC for the Queen concert in 1986. And you will recall that in July 1985, Queen stole the show at Live Aid and everybody wanted to see them. And they went on tour. I think it was their final ever tour... Uh, with that lineup, it was the It's a Kind of Magic tour. Jim Aiken, the concert promoter who did the first, I suppose, the first seven or eight concerts in Slane, he was still having, if you like, some difficulties with one or two locals who were opposed to the concerts in Slane, particularly following from the riots in 1984 when Bob Dylan played. And somewhere along the way... I had a chat with Jim and I think the phrase you could use, Jerry, is I persuaded him to let me do uh, the announcements on the stage simply because uh, if he was going to be hauled into court by people opposed to the concerts, he could always say, well, I give a lot of work to locals and uh, I even gave Ken Murray a gig as the MC when a lot of RT Radio 2 people were pushing for the gig. So it's a day I'll remember. For as long as I live, Queen topped the bill, the Bangles were on the bill, Chris Rea, and a brilliant band from Dublin called The Fountainhead, and it's something I will take with me to the grave.
2: One other thing, Ken, you um, mentioned to me this earlier on when we were talking, uh, Dylan was a seminal moment for Slay in 84 because the way the concert functioned changed.
4: The Bob Dylan, well, let's go back to Tin Lizzy. Tin Lizzy, uh, played in 1981. I think there was about 17, 18,000 at that concert. Mm. And people were sort of in the press raving about the natural amphitheatre in Slane. That, you know, you could put a lot of people into this massive field that had a nice concert feel to it. So the Rolling Stones came, uh, in 1982. There was no concert in Slane in 83. And then Bob Dylan came and, Tim Lizzie, the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan were Sunday concerts. And what happened in 1984 when Bob Dylan rolled into town was a lot of people treated Slane as a weekend away. So you had all these people coming up from Cork and Galway and coming down from Dublin. They were coming into Slane on a Friday night, setting up their tent and getting blotto drunk on a Saturday. And what happened was that on the Saturday night... Um, uh, some uh, dispute arose between one or two people and the guard and there was scuffles. There was a riot slain guard the station was almost burned down a guard van was burned and then, to make matters worse, if I recall correctly, Jerry, two people drowned in the river i mean with with Bob Dylan, anything that could go wrong went wrong, and there was a lot of hostility locally to future concerts in Slane. So one of the things they learned from the Bob Dylan experience was that all future concerts at Slane should take place on Saturday. So people would roll into town on the Saturday morning, they'd go to the gig, they'd get on the bus wherever they came from, and they were out of the place by midnight on the Saturday. So it's always been a Saturday concert ever since. And that's why probably the Bruce Springsteen concert in 1985 was a key concert, because if the Bruce Springsteen concert didn't go to plan, if there were issues with the guardie, if somebody fell into the river whatever, um, it would be very difficult subsequently for Jim Aiken or MCD to stage further concerts because those opposed to them could go back and say, well, you messed up in 1984, we had other issues in 1985, no more concerts in Slane. But 85 went like clockwork. It was a fantastic day, sunny day. Springsteen was the only name on the bill. He came on, I remember it well, he came on stage, I think at three minutes past five, and the first song was Born in the USA, and that album, there was something like seven hits on that album, so everyone wanted to see Bruce Springsteen, and he did something like a three-hour show on his own, and uh, there were no issues in the village, no issues along the River Boyne, everything went like clockwork, and bar one or two stops along the way, Slane has been functioning pretty well ever since.
2: Is it regarded and no. will always be regarded as a very special gig in the context of world tours for big big acts?
4: Well, um in nineteen I think it was eighty four, Bruce Springsteen released the Born in the USA, and I read somewhere recently that as rock albums go, the Born in the USA album that Springsteen did probably produced more hit singles from one album uh, on the billboard charts in America than any other album in history. So this was, um, this was a massive world tour. There was massive uh, American media interest in this particular concert. I remember CBS Records in Dublin brought in a load of celebrities from London and everything to, to look at the Bruce Springsteen show. And what they were doing is They were teeing it up for other venues around Europe. But on the day, it was a sunny day. And as I said, everyone was in good form. And there was such hullabaloo arising from the Bob Dylan riots in 1984. And there was a load of meetings going on in Slane. You know, when I look back on it, I, I have great sympathy for the late John Clark, who was the sergeant in Slane, because he was getting it in the neck from all sides, because those who were opposed to the concerts in Slane were giving him grief. And those who wanted the concerts to continue were were basically doing everything to persuade him to ensure that if there was any subsequent court cases, his word would carry so much weight uh, as to whether or not Slane would continue. But uh, 85 with Bruce Springsteen, as I said, the the concert promoters, Aiken Promotions and Henry and the Gardi they couldn't have asked mm. for better. It was so it fantastic. became
2: really then uh, the, <clears throat> the concert that set Slane Fair after that to be one of the greatest venues that anybody ever performs in. I was going to say the guard was between a rock and a hard place but that would be a little bit too much. Would it have a pun?
4: Just, just, just one other memory, Jerry. Yes, quick um, as you can. In 1985, I was a reporter with a newspaper in Drogheda called the Drogheda Local News where Marie Kearns and John Kearns and Tony Clayton Lee and Paul Lennon We were all there, but Duliken District was my patch, and that took in Slane. So I was visiting Slane Castle every other week, you know, long before there was a concert on, you know, in the depths of November, December, I was out with Henry picking up stories. And um, the week of the concert of Bruce Springsteen, I went out to Slane, I think on the Wednesday, went into the castle, I was looking for Henry, couldn't find Henry. Somebody said... I think he's in one of the front rooms in the castle. So I walked around to the front door, and I could hear this noise coming from a room. So I put my head in the door, and there was Bruce Springsteen and Pete Townsend of The Who having a jamming session. So I walked in, and I effectively got a private concert for about 20 minutes. And (laughs) somewhere along the way, this tall American security guy walks in, and he comes in, he goes up to me, and he says, Hey, man, who are you? I says, I'm Ken Murray. And I says, by the way, who are you? And he sort of stood back. Uh, and then he asked me another question. He says, what are you doing here? And I says, I'm working here. And he presumed I worked in the castle. And he just turned around and walked away. And I got this private concert with Bruce Springsteen Oh and Brilliant,
2: brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Have
4: to leave it there, Ken. Thanks okay, so much good. for your
2: memories today. Really appreciated. Ken Murray joining us on the eve of Metallica Slane. Apologies, we're slightly late heading to news headlines at 2.
1: Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Don't miss out on amazing 192 early bird offers at Blackstone Motors today for exclusive 192 offers on all things Renault and Dacia and the full Renault commercial van range. Get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda
2: Young Social Innovator of the Year Awards. They're prestigious for young people, primarily in transition year in the schools right around the country. Will I tell you this? We have a winner in the northeast, in the north of County Loud. This lovely little post-primary school, it's called Bush Post-Primary School, have won gold, the top award in Ireland for their project, project called Let's Talk Consent. And you hear them there in the background. They're so excited. They really are. They're with me today. Even though school's out for summer, they're here on late lunch. I'd like to welcome to the show one of their teachers, Colette Owens. Colette, you're very welcome. And she's joined today by mary Ann McGrain and Kate Trainer. Good to see you. Thank you for coming in to me. <laughs> Thanks Thank for me. having us. Did I upset your summer break?
5: <laughs> no, you're okay. No, oh, you're fine. It is all
2: right, it. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're okay. Anyway, a million congratulations to Thank you. you. It's such a fantastic achievement. Will you just tell our listeners um, what the topic was and how you came up with the topic?
5: Yeah, so our project was called Let's Talk About Consent. We p- chose this topic after, like, the high-profile court cases came up and it raised, like, conversation with me and my friends. So we thought that it was a topic that needed to be talked about to make it a less taboo subject, kind of, um, and consent, because it's so topical at the minute so for our project we made we decided to make a podcast and the podcast was unique because it was teenagers talking to teenagers about consent Uh, we chose an analogy of swimming comparing sex or any sexual act to diving into a swimming pool and we made a podcast which LMFM helped with and an animation to go along with the podcast
2: so that was the project in essence. So this conversation that's been going on generally in Ireland yeah. at national level in the media trickles down to yourselves and and, yeah. and and your own age group as well. Is consent? Well, I'm sure it is. Is consent a major, major topic of conversation with you guys, Marianne?
6: Yeah, I really think it's like a major topic for us because as we're younger, like we're starting to, um. It's not being spread out properly. People are afraid to talk about how consent is important and everything. And we just think that teenagers aren't educated enough. So if they're looking to do something, maybe they're scared to say no or they don't know if they should say yeah or no. And they're just kind of like, they're just not educated. So we think we wanted to talk to the teenagers through our podcast so they can feel like a bond because we're teenagers as well. They can feel able to talk to us. And I think it's just very good for us to be able to talk to them about and to be like yeah it's okay, it's not taboo we can talk about this, like it's okay to talk about consent.
2: And as well as that obviously it's difficult or young people find it more difficult to talk straight up about it using the analogy as we heard a moment ago from Kate is, is a great way do you find that easier as well? Yeah, yes?
6: Yeah definitely because it's taken the awkwardness out of it. Yes. it's not making it awkward, they're kind of like relying back on swimming like it's not awkward.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that really hits the nail on the head. That word "awkward" that you say there. Was it fun for the group that made? I, I know the podcast group are not with us today. Yeah, isn't not that here right, today? Kate? They're enjoying their summer holidays. <laughs> not like the poor two that have had to come into us. <laughs> but the, the the group who made the podcast. Right, there was three involved in. Yeah, the, or more? there
5: was three people that recorded the podcast: yes. Ella, Declan, and Gabriel. And then there was. Myself, Marianne and Lauren and Joey and Dachlan who are involved in the animation that went along with the podcast.
2: That must have been real fun, was it?
5: It was. Yeah. Well, we did the drawings and then the boys took care of the tech. Yes. <laughs> so we definitely not involved in that. I tell
2: you, you've done a great job. <laughs> Haven't they, Collette? Let's bring yeah. in Teacher mm-hmm. here to talk to us. They really have. You must be so proud of this So crew. proud of
7: them, absolutely, yeah. And to take, as you say, take a topic like this and to actually... You know, speak so articulately. You know, speak so passionately about it. I commend them. I really do. I think they've mm. done a phenomenal job.
2: What was it like? You know, you went up to the awards, and this is hot competition. There's no yeah, need to say yeah, this. There yeah, are other definitely. great ideas there, and wonderful young people from all around the country. Do you remember that moment when they were revealing the winners?
6: I know, and um, they were revealing it, and I was like, I personally thought, I like, there's no chance. There's so much good competition here, like. How are we going to get it? And we were called out for the gold winner. And I heard the summon analogy, and I literally was in shock for like 10 seconds. And then I just was ecstatic.
5: It exploded, didn't it? Yeah, it exploded. The boys are singing championies and everything. It was unbelievable.
2: What a a win it is for your school. It it really is. I want listeners to have a listen. We'll all have a listen now to an excerpt from this brilliant concept and brilliant project that has been named Gold Medal Winner at the Young Social Innovators of the Year 2019 for Bush Post-Primary School. It's called Let's Talk Consent. Let's have a wee
8: listen.
6: So Kieran, what does consent actually look like? And I suppose more importantly, how do you give consent when it comes to sex?
8: Well, Claire, I suppose from each of the scenarios you've outlined, what's missing is communication. Communication is really a key point. Consent is all about having an open conversation about whether you want to have sex or not. So you mean actually saying it directly? Yeah, directly. Okay, let's look at an example. Let's use the swimming analogy again. So I might say something like, Claire, I really like you. We get on so well. I'd love to go swimming with you sometime. How do you feel about that? Do you ever think of going swimming with me? Yeah, that's it. Communicating and asking for consent. And remember that a response should be enthusiastic yes too.
6: So you're saying it shouldn't be a fear for yes. So that a girl or a boy isn't saying yes because they're afraid to say no.
8: Exactly. It needs to be voluntary and conscious.
6: Okay, so the person knows exactly what they're consenting to. So you're saying they're giving a response consciously and of their own free will. That's it. So a response might be something like, "Uh, I have thought about going swimming with you, and in fact there's no one else I'd rather go swimming with.
8: Exactly, that response is showing enthusiasm, and also consent should be continuous and ongoing. So you mean just because someone gives consent today, that doesn't necessarily mean they want to or should give it tomorrow? Yeah, both people should feel completely comfortable and ready before they go swimming, or whatever we're really talking about here, having sex or engaging in any sexual act and of course people don't forget safety are you talking about contraception? yeah I think contraception too and just a reminder to our listeners that legally a person should be 17 years of of age to be able to consent or to engage in a sexual act this means that a young person under the age of 17 is not legally old enough to consent to a sexual act even if they want to remember it is a crime to engage in a sexual act with someone who has not or cannot give consent you guys have heard that many many
2: times. Yeah. I've listened back to it a couple of times and and there now I have to say it's really really powerful. Who are we listening to there again? Um, Tell me that's
5: Kate. That's Boyle, Declan Crowley
7: and Gabriel Clary.
2: Well done to podcast. you. And and I have to say Colette, they've delivered it brilliantly. It was recorded yeah. here in LMFM. Yeah, yes. and
7: you know, thank you very much for allowing us to record it. It was um, and just the quality of it it just made it it made it the quality mm, I know our programme
2: controller Eamon Doyle when he heard about this he just said yes yeah, straight away yeah. and was very so, keen on it and, and it's getting
7: it. its getting that local support as well yeah. that is so important mm. and you know that's what YSI is all about yeah really
2: and uh, it's fantastic maybe say to back a, a national winner as well yeah. <laughs> and I, I do want to mention as well Will Leahy from RTE was part of this yeah, wasn't he yes
5: well initially we had to do a speak out and we just wanted to Everyone to hear that we had a podcast coming soon, and Willy, he vol- missed. We tweeted yeah, he, him, and he said that he would record, record a piece, yeah, pr- uh, promoting it, yes. mm. promoting the podcast to tell everyone that it was coming soon. Yes,
2: yes. So it was, that and was and he was help. good to his word. He did that as well for yeah. you. What's been the impact? Do you feel since your win and since awareness of this has really taken off? How do you feel? It's uh, You know, colleagues and friends and young people.
6: Yeah, I really think that people in the school are even becoming more aware of what like consent is all about and they're becoming more the more open to talk about things. And even like my parents have even been talking to me about it and they're like, you know, didn't really know how to speak to you about this. I'm very happy that you're able to like learn about it. And then we can teach other people like there was a the classes going on in SPHE for like second years and third years. And I think that was really good for them to learn about this because, there it's coming from our point of view, the teenagers' point of view. It would be different to an adult's point of view, mm. and they can really see, like, get an insight of what it's like. And with the, like, we're be more open to talk about things than the teachers would. Like, we know with our kind of like slang, so it's they're more. It's more understanding for them to talk to us about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I hear what you're saying. It's wonderful. Um. There's a universal proposition, isn't there, Colette, in this here, really? The the application of this yeah. is worldwide.
7: Absolutely, yeah. Um, and initially, I suppose, when the students at the start of the year, when they were, you know, when they decided on the topic, I, I was even a little bit, oh, I don't know if I want to go there. Don't, I don't know if I want to sort of, you know, be talking about this, but... You've seen after the whole entire year now, I just think it is absolutely vital that we're talking to Mm -hmm. teenagers about this topic. Mm -hmm. Okay, educate them, give them the information so that they can make informed decisions when they need to make those decisions. Um, And I just, you know, even the students themselves were saying we need to talk about this to younger and young, you know, younger teens, because everyone, you know, the young people have access to smartphones, internet and if they're not getting their education through school or at home where are they getting it and it's it's going to be online and that's not they're not necessarily getting the right information yeah. the important information Whereas
2: this is spot on and on the mark I do yeah. want to mention as well another group that you worked with the Rape Crisis Centre Yeah we were they involved.
7: were very supportive to us as well we had a volunteer from the Rape Crisis Centre come down to our school from Dublin and she spoke to us just to check that we you know were communicating the correct information in relation to consent and mm. um, so she, you know, she checked that, and you know, it was quite an informative talk as well. And then we, um, the the class, did a bake sale in the school as well. And they raised is five hundred euro, and that five hundred euro was given directly to the Rape Crisis Centre in Dundalk, who told us that they provide a free counselling service to young people.
2: Okay, and that's yeah.
7: that's why it's come full circle. well. Really oh, that's
2: brilliant the way you've tied that up. Um, there are more possibilities here. I know. I suppose, girls, you feel like you didn't want the summer to come you know when you're it's half time in the game yeah, because there's more to be done with this yeah, isn't there kind yeah. of
5: put, the summer's kind of putting it on pause for a minute but when we get back in september we're hoping to continue with our project and maybe make a series of podcasts in relation to consent but there's a a lot of other areas you can explore with it, I suppose. Absolutely. And maybe record more podcasts, maybe four or five more. And yeah,
2: different topics. And yeah. The world's your oyster, girls. And boys. <laughs> and everybody at Bush uh, Post Primary. Look, I wanted to just invite you in today. Thank you for coming in. We want to shout it from the trees. Let me say it again. Does this sound good? Young son- social innovators. Of the Year Awards 2019, the winners today on Late Lunch, gold medal winners, Bush Post-Primary School, Let's Talk Consent. And we will podcast Let's Talk Consent on uh, LMFM.ie mm-hmm. uh, this afternoon as well. It'll be there for everybody to hear the whole lot yeah. of it. Brilliant, Congratulations you to you, you all. You. Well done to you, Colette Owens and the teaching staff in the school and representing everybody else with us today, mary Ann McGrain and Kate Trainer. Thank you for dropping thank in. You.
7: Thank you very much.
1: Winners all the way. <laughs> The late lunch with Blackstone Motors. Don't miss out on amazing 192 early bird offers at Blackstone Motors today for exclusive 192 offers on all things Renault and Dacia and the full Renault commercial van range. Get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda.
2: My next guest on Late Lunch grew up on a farm in County Mead in the 1950s at 33. He was appointed as the youngest ever director of the National Gallery of Ireland. Holman Potterton previously published a couple of memoirs about himself and his life. And now at a a mature age, he's in the market again with a book. It's his first novel. It's called Knockfane and he's on the line. Welcome to the airwaves back home, Holman.
9: Uh, Hello, thank you. I'm here.
2: Thank you very much for joining me. I want to ask you this first. You actually finished writing this book in 2008. Why has it been in cold storage since?
9: Well, at that time, I tried to get a publisher um, or an agent interested in the book. And, um, well, as most people know, it's notoriously difficult um, often to get a book um, a novel in particular, published because publishers can sit on the manuscript and not actually look at it, and it can often be just a happy accident when they something catches their eye and they do that, but anyway i wasn 't lucky, so I got rather dispirited, and I just put away the um, the the manuscript and I thought well that 's it i can't and then um i i had a first look at it again about a year or so ago, and I thought, oh, it's a pity not to do something with this, and I tried again. And that's when um, Marion Press, Irish academic press, um, immediately accepted it and were enthusiastic about it. So that was the, st- the background story to why it's taken so long. I had finished it. I didn't do any more work on it until... I knew it was going ahead, and then, of course, I tidied it up, as it were.
2: Okay, so you you did do a little to it. Did you change much with it?
9: Um, I didn't um, change. I found that it was too long, Mm. and um, I worked out from talking to publishers what the optimum level um, for a novel was, and... um, this uh, my book exceeded that number of words, so I rather uh, chopped quite a lot out. I didn't chop anything that affected the story, mm. but I some in places where I had long descriptions or um, 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 in, uh, in, uh, in characters that weren't important, I did chop them out. And uh, it's like in a film edit, you know, you end up on the chopping board chopping on the uh, chopped on the floor
2: yes the the, the story itself about Knockfane a large country house the mid-20th century uh, the Protestant Esdale family have lived there for centuries are you pulling from your own family and your own memories in this?
9: Uh, well yes of course Um, it is the world I knew growing up Um, and and it's a fairly um well-known world i mean anywhere around in meath and louth um there are um big farmers that's what you'd call the family who live at knock fane they're not um and this is a little subtlety they're not gentry as it were they're not anglo-irish their origins were english but um they are entirely Irish in their outlook and attitudes, and they've been there a long time. So it's not—it's ca- called at the back that this is a big house novel for a new generation, and the big house novel is an Irish literary type uh, derived from Mariah Edgeworth, where it is um, a, an estate house um, with tenantry and all that, but. Fam- families like the Esdales, who are the people I'm writing about, um, didn't ha- have tenants. They were often tenants themselves,
6: mm.
9: even if they were tenants of several hundred acres, but that's
2: Yes, you, you you mentioned Maria yeah. Edgeworth there, and of course our all-time classic Castle Rackrent. Uh, yeah, you you refer to there. Now, now in the book you have a, really a classic line as well, and it's about succession—a selfish old father, daughters, and one who he wants really to t- take care of him forever. And then you know what happens beyond his time. The, these are real issues even today for the 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 families and type of people you talk about.
9: Well, exactly, and land, and particularly in farming community, and now a new dimension in Irish life which didn't exist um, either in the time that I'm describing in this book or even when I was growing up, insofar as it concerns property and um, the fear farmers in particular had to have that their land would somehow slip away from them because it was their livelihood but of course divorce has brought a new dimension into this question of holding on to your land because somebody um, a farmer can marry or be married only for a year but nevertheless under the law if he divorces his spouse does have a right to um, hi, um, a share yeah. of his um, that so that 's a new aspect of this that I understand is now quite a thing in Ireland yeah. um, unexpectedly um, but at the time i 'm writing about it was merely i 'm um, writing about a contrary old man um who was very conscious that his fa- family had lived at Knockfane for hundreds of years and that he must pass it on and his wishes in that respect were complicated by because for some reason only revealed at the end of the book he doesn't like his only son and again this happened too. he his um his father-in-law his wife's his his wife's father um adopted um, the the boy um the 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 eldest son and yeah. um, the only son and he went um to live with his grandparents and um it's unexplained why old oh, um, the, um the, the the man himself who's called willis elsdale by the way yeah. and why he wanted to give up his son when he had only two daughters Mm. because in those days as well i don't think daughters could or there was a a reluctance to allow daughters to inherit the family farm or property um because of course that would allow a husband any husband she might take on to succeed to the property and that it would be alienated out of the family. Yes. So these are country issues. Yeah. And they run through
2: the... this book. And and I have to say you've uh, you've weaved it magically. It, was there a big difference between you know I mentioned the memoirs Rath Cormac and you did another one as well uh, in the past. Um, uh, but to write a novel with these characters and paint this picture and build the story. Was it more difficult or did it come easy because of the previous work?
9: Um, It is different completely because when I was writing Rath which is a memoir of my childhood, Mm. I, of course, was writing about real people, my brothers and sisters, who exist, who are still living. So I wasn't free to write just anything that came into my head, but just to describe how things happened. But with a novel, which is fiction, this is all made up. I was free to um, weave different little stories of the sort of things that happened in, but uh, because they weren't identifiable as any particular person, that gave me a freedom to invent and um, make little stories more fascinating. But the little stories, as it were, are all the sort of things that happened um as i've outlined in earlier um this obsession with holding on to one's land yeah and that and um those were things that i of course knew about and um that and then the center of this is the will that this man Willis Esdale makes he makes up some very twisted and um clause in the will which governed how the property would descend. In, he was intending to restrict it and prevent the possibility of his daughter, either of his daughters, marrying um, someone who was really only marrying them for their for knock-fade. For yes, the for
2: the place itself and the property and the land. Do you yes. have fond memories of your growing up in me and your time there?
9: Yes, I do. It was... Um, well it's a cliche to say an idyllic childhood but it was a farm um my parents were very loving and giving and we were a very big family there were eight of us in the family i was the youngest um and um it was a very happy childhood and um and on the farm and i was surprised writing this book where it is you know the background is farming so I have to know and say at what time of year the sheep shearing was done, and um at what time the harvest was done, and that of course has to be correct, but I found that in spite of myself, I seem to have picked up rather more about farming than I thought I had uh, and um I was able to come out uh, uh, come out with it and um just as a background to the story because. It's very much you can get the smell of manure and the smell from the pages of the
2: book. <laughs> I love it, Homer, and I love to catch that smell on the wind still. It just makes me feel great. Some people would think we're both mad saying that, but it really yes. is an uplifting no. smell of yes. the countryside. You know that as well. Tell me this because uh, I'm going to have to end shortly, but I will talk to you again because you're a most interesting gentleman. Somebody asked me to ask you, I won't name them, have you got a television at, at this stage of your life?
9: Um, well, I'm not very television-minded, and I, I I I actually do have one, um, but I don't look at it uh, very much. Um, in um, that, and friends of mine explain, you're too old. Um, you 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 know, you didn't have a television in Ireland. Um, when you were a child so you don't understand television i said well i'm not that bad <laughs> but, um, i do remember as you mentioned television we got a television at home um for grace kelly's wedding and i think a lot of people got their first television in order to see grace kelly's wedding just like in england a lot of people got televisions for the first time in order to see the coronation in 1953.
2: Mm. But you were a man who uh, spent a lot of time in your life never referring to television. That is true.
9: That's, uh, yes, that is. I wasn't, it wasn't on all the time. Mm. The radio, we did listen to the radio And in this book, of course, they don't have a television, there's only a mention of television later, because the book is set in the 50s, coming on up into the early 60s perhaps, then some teenage sons go into the other room to watch the television, it says, that's... uh,
2: yeah, interesting. It is so interesting and there's so much in this to enjoy and uh, reminisce about as well. The book is called Knockfane. It's a novel by Homan Potterton. It's available at the moment uh, and I've a copy and I'm going to give it away to the listeners this afternoon. But Homan, thank you for taking our call. We're very grateful indeed. And I really do wish you the greatest success with this book. It's wonderful that at last it's been published and it's a real tribute to you and your tenacity that it has, and well done to the publishers as well, and Press. Thank you for joining me on the show.
9: Oh, well, nice to be in touch with County Meath. I'm speaking from London, you didn't...
2: I know that, yes, you are indeed. But look, we'll talk again. We'll we'll talk again, I promise you. Thank you, Holman. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Holman in there, his new book, Fane. You will smell the cow manure from the pages, as he said. Would you like to do just that? I have a copy to give away to one of you today. What county were we talking about? Take your pick. Was it Lowther Mead? Where does he come from? It's very difficult. WhatsApp us your answer there to 086-1800-658. You can text it as well. and We'll be back in late lunch after this short break. Yes, it's that time on Friday again when we look ahead to the big weekend of sport and there's only one man for us. Yes, it's the communications manager from Boyle Sports, Leon Blanche. Good afternoon, Leon. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Well, we're straight into it this evening because it's a big weekend for the Irish international soccer team. They're in Denmark tonight and then on Monday, Gibraltar come calling. Let's take the Denmark game first.
10: Yeah, look, it's going to be a very tricky game, Jerry. But look, the one thing about this Irish team... Since Mick McCarthy has taken charge, especially in the home victory against Georgia, we got the ball down and we kept the ball and we were able to play a nice bit of football. And I think even looking back to Martin O'Neill's time in charge when we went away and got a nil-all draw in that first leg of the qualifier, I think Irish fans would be happy if we could take a share of the spoils this evening. Look, we're the big outsider at 11-2 to to win the match in Denmark. Denmark are favourites at 4-7. to and the draw is 13-5. to five. The one thing about Denmark is, as well, their best player, without a shadow of a doubt, is Christian Eriksen. So hopefully, from an Irish perspective, he's still suffering from a Champions League hangover after, of course, Liverpool beat Tottenham Hotspur. So here's hoping the boys in green can take something away from Denmark, which would be a solid start. Seven points... Out of nine, wouldn't be a bad start at all if we were to get a draw tonight.
2: And then on to Monday, just briefly, Gibraltar come calling, as I mentioned. They were sticky uh, away in that first game. Very uh, difficult night for Ireland, but we got the win just. We'll be expected to get a few goals on Monday.
10: Yeah, look, we certainly will, Jerry. Look, we're 1-80, to so you're certainly not going to get rich uh, backing the boys in green to beat Gibraltar at home. But I think focus on tonight. I think we'll definitely beat Gibraltar no matter what happens this evening. But wouldn't it be great if we could even finish off our first four games in in this group with 10 points from 12? It'd be a very solid start. And hopefully then Nick McCarthy um, and his uh, coaching staff can get the boys in green all the way to Euros 2020, which of course we do have the big carrot that we would have a couple of home games in Dublin. So here's hoping tonight against Denmark come away with at least a draw.
2: Now, on the domestic front, the game is put back 24 hours to tomorrow, Saturday. And first up Drogheda take on at Lone Town in the First Division. They're home. They're on a great run, the Drogs.
10: Yeah, look, they certainly are. I mean, they've put themselves right up into contention in terms of not only um, challenging, but actually winning the First Division. Drogheda are playing some serious football at the moment. They're two to nine favourites to defeat. And at Lone side, who are really, really struggling, it has to be said. And I think Drogheda fans and players and management will be all hoping that they can make it five wins on the bounce before the little break. And that would give them plenty of confidence going into the second half of the season. The draw here is actually as big as four and a half to one. So I think most people expect Drogheda at home to at loan. They should come away with full three points.
2: And that game of five o'clock kick-off at United Park tomorrow afternoon. Dundalk are on the road. They're in the northwest against Finn Harps. Finn Harps rooted now to the bottom of the table after a nice little run they had at one stage. But Dundalk are on fire.
10: Oh, look, they are absolutely on fire. And I think a lot of credit has to go to Vinnie Perth and his management team. It wasn't the easiest of starts. A lot of people were saying that they were going to struggle because, of course, Stephen Kenny has left to manage the Irish under-21s team. But by God, has Vinnie Pear turned it right around? Dundalk now, at the moment, they're definitely the form team in the division, and it goes to show you when you look at the odds. Dundalk are two to nine uh, taking on Finn Harps away from home, who are as big as twelve to one, and the draw here is ninety-two. And as you said, Jerry, this could be a little bit of a banana skin. On their day, Finn Harps can pose a couple of problems. But I just feel the way this Dundalk team is playing at the minute, they absolutely fear nobody. They're playing great football, they're scoring plenty of goals and hopefully it'll be a Dundalk-Andrada and double um, in their respective games in the League of Ireland this weekend.
2: Caelic, games and both Meath and Loud in action in the Championship. Loud are out of the Senior Football Championship proper, but the backdoor first-round qualifiers, they're in there, and they take on Antrim in Drogheda tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock. What's the odds there?
10: It's not a bad um, draw, Jerry, in terms of the qualifiers. Look, I don't think anybody expected Loud to get anything from their game against Dublin. And of course, we all know Dublin are favourites to win the all Ireland. So, Loud, they weren't expected to get anything and they didn't get anything. But this is a good draw at home against Antrim. Loud are favourites. Two to five to beat Antrim at five to two. And the draw here is seven and a half to one. And I do feel the Weed County shouldn't read too much into that defeat against Dublin. They should focus on what they did before that in terms of the league. They had a solid league campaign and I think they're well able to beat Antrim. And I fully expect Loud to march on to the next round of the qualifiers.
2: Then on Sunday, the Royal County in a Leinster semi-final against Leash with the prospect of meeting probably Dublin in the final. They play Kildare, uh, of course. But what about Mead's chances against the Midlanders?
10: Yeah, I thought they were much improved, Meade, from their first game in the Leinster Championship to their second game. There was massive improvements uh, from the Royal County, and they're taking on a Leish team that I don't think Mead will have much fear. It is, of course, a Leinster semi-final, and that brings its own little bit of pressure. But, of course, Mead want to be back in Leinster finals. They want to be getting closer to the dubs. They're 4-9 to nine to beat Leish, who are 9-4, to four, and the draw here, once again, is 7.5-1. But again, Gerry, as I said, with Dundalk and Drogheda, I expect both of them to win, and I really feel that Mead and Loud will both come out victorious after this weekend's matches.
2: Leon Blanche, thank you so much as usual. We'll talk to you again on Friday next. All the best, Gerry. Maddie wants to know, what's the name of Holman Potterden's book? It's called Knockfane. K-N-O-C-K-F-A-N-E is the name of the book. She's downtown in Navin and wants to pop in and pick it up. That's it for you, Maddie. there. The winners of uh, Holman's books uh, today, I have two of them actually to give away. The answer was made. We were looking for Martin Daly in Trim. And Sarah Allen's in Rat Malloy today, a copy each going to you. And the 100 euro one for all voucher. Yes, the winner on Friday on late lunch of that voucher is Eileen Farrelly uh, from Mellows Terrace. Well done to you, Eileen. The answer we were looking for, Clonnie de Kells, 51 kilometres is the answer we were looking for. And that uh, lovely prize comes to us from Windsor, Clonnie, Nissan and Peugeot. 192 Open Day tomorrow and LMFM will be there with our OB team. Uh, check us out tomorrow on the air during the day for that one. Um, that's uh, the giveaways all looked after. Let me remind you that back in November 2017, Ashling Brady suffered a major health trauma at the school where she was teaching in Dubai. We've spoken to her mum, Antoinette, on several occasions since Ashling returned home and she's back on the line with me today. Good afternoon, Antoinette. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. What caught kind our of attention was this. Do you remember, you and I were talking about the flotation suit that yeah. you were trying to get for Ashling, and the pictures appeared. You have the suit. What's happening?
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, from my last chat with you on the radio, uh, we got so many. I got so many responses to it through email. Um, response to where I could get it, what I could do, designs, and then. Um, we also got a number of emails that said, why not go for a dry suit? Because then that would allow Ashling to stay completely clothed and, and, you know, keeping her warm in the pool was the big issue. Mm. So, yeah, we did a bit of research in that and that's the way we went. And it was sponsored by um, a good friend, good friend of ours. And they got it from a place in England, a company called Typhoon. So it was designed um, specifically for Ashling. And we have been, we have brought her to the pool on two different occasions. Um, so that was fantastic. She's actually here beside me and big smile on her face because it was on her bucket list. To get back into a pool so
2: <laughs> that
0: was yeah so that was that was fantastic
2: ah listen we're delighted and every wee step on the road is very very important i know to her and yourselves as well so she's made the pool at this stage she's Richard there smiling how is she how how, how has progress been since we last talked
0: how is she well i think she's doing very well um she has now moved down back down to trim so she's actually five minutes up the road from us which is great um, she is she has settled well in Care Choice. She's got to know lots of lots of people here, lots of staff. Um there's lots of giggling and laughing and fun going on some days when I come up and she's here smiling too because they she, she enjoys all the, the crack that goes on and um I think they love coming into Ashling and having a good good chatter. Um, a good give out in here with Ashton and she enjoys it all she's participating really well in her therapies we have physiotherapy speech therapy Um, she has a psychologist comes in to her every week she has um, what else we do the swimming now and we're still following up on the horse riding but I'm getting closer and closer every day to getting that up and running again so we're kind of almost at the stage now where there are not enough days in the week for all the things we like to do with her but um yeah definitely uh, would you agree with me ashling in the last in the last few weeks there definitely has been progress yes um, she is getting stronger her mind is as sharp as a razor she yeah. keeps an eye on us all um, but definitely there are um, her physical you know her strength in her legs and her upper trunk has shown improvement and she is so motivated and so determined She's driving us to do to do more and more and more, and really, the only thing that holds her back is just the fatigue and the tiredness mm. and we have to account for that and let her have her little sleep in bed. But then when she's ready to up and go, she sure does put a hundred and, and more percent into it.
2: My, when you think of when we spoke first and the uncertainty and you didn't know where this was going and to have her so close to your back home there in Trim and to hear these milestones that have happened is really heartening. It really is. And well done to Ashling. I know she's listened to us there today. Well done to you, Ashling, and well done to you, Mum, and all the family and everybody around her. You're wonderful, wonderful people.
0: Well, we're just trying to prove that with with a lot of hard work and commitment, and um, with the, the the community behind us, with the the worldwide community behind us, and um, you know, it's amazing what can be achieved. And I think Ashley was always a very determined, very resilient person. Uh, she always liked a challenge, and you know, we're just we're just going on that road with her, and we're providing the opportunities. She's putting in the the work, and You know, again, it's really just to show that everything is possible. You just, you can't give up. You have to just say, no, I'm going to beat the odds here. And that's really our job. As I said, we're the ones providing the opportunities and she's put in the hard work.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Ready for you have to always stand up, fight your corner, and there's always loads of support there for you. Anyway, I have to leave it there for today. Thank you for taking our short call. Come back to us, won't you, when the horse riding happens? We'd like to really mark do. that as well. But we're delighted uh, to hear of the progress. And again, I say to her, I know she's beside you. Well done, Ashling, and keep up the great work. Thank you, Antoinette.
0: Thank you so much, and thank you, everybody
2: thank you thank indeed you, have a bye nice bye weekend bye. bye 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 that's Antoinette Brady there and our daughter Ashling sitting right beside her there anyway Maria's been on to say Jerry, I have to collect me mam from Michael Boob late tonight what time will the concert be over at I haven't been talking to anyone from last night I'd say you're safe enough round about half ten if you head up there you should be alright he'll finish between that and eleven sometime anyway we're finished on late lunch for another week I want to say my thank yous and uh, now a big thank you to Ross Lee, who guided the ship with me today thanks a million Ross to my producer Louise Walsh to our listeners every day and our guests who join us right through the week. Have a lovely weekend. Enjoy Slain if you're going. And we leave you in the company of Slain men through and through. And they're going to be there tomorrow with Henry Mount Charles. It's you too and Pride. Have a good weekend.
7: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
8: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand.